Welcome to Counseling Over Coffee, a podcast of Redeemer Counseling Group. Whether you are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, we are happy to have you. And if you enjoy this podcast, it helps if you rate and review us, particularly on Apple Podcasts. And of course, any sharing of the podcast on social media is greatly appreciated. For more information about Redeemer Counseling Group, you can visit our website at RedeemerCounselingGroup.com or look us up on Facebook. And with that, here is Cherie with Counseling Over Coffee. week I interrupted my June plans for the podcast because I wanted to introduce the topic of trauma. The Texas shootings have been a catalyst for talking about trauma and its impact. In fact, I was just talking with a lady today who said that learning about or hearing about the the Texas shootings had brought up some things in her own life that she was surprised because they seemed completely unrelated. And But for her, she was minimizing her own trauma because she was comparing it to that of what the families in Texas are going through. And that's a common thing that we all do. And I ended the podcast last week by asking you to come back this week for some really good news. And I will get to that in just a moment. But I wanted to share with ladies who listen here, that I will be speaking at a ladies' retreat at Sovereign Grace Church in Platteville, Alabama, on September 9th and 10th. So if you're in proximity to the Montgomery, Alabama area where Platteville is located, I would love to see you. If you're looking for a ladies' retreat to go to or to attend with some friends, the theme of the retreat it's, it's called Seen and Known by God and by Others, and I'll be taking a look at how deepening our relationship with the Lord can actually lead to deepening relationships with others. And the retreat will include lots of participation from those attending. One of the things actually that I'm enjoying most about ladies retreats in this season of my life and ministry is I'm learning the importance of shorter teachings and more interaction. And honestly, what I've heard from the ladies who have attended events I've spoken at in recent months is that they've benefited most from those small group discussions and times of prayer and ministry to one another where they're able to actually process quickly what I share in the teaching time. So I'll be sharing more details as the retreat approaches, or you can always contact me at Cherie at Redeemer Counseling Group. That's counseling group with two G's in a row.com. So back to trauma. Today, I'd like to talk about how to care for someone who has experienced trauma. It's very likely that someone you're close to has experienced the trauma of something like the death of a beloved friend or family member, or they've endured physical, emotional, or sexual abuse, or 
they've discovered that their spouse was living a secret life of porn addiction or maybe adultery. Those are just some of the traumatic events that can impact our lives. And to get more detail about that, if you didn't listen in last week, you could review that podcast. And the good news for all of us is that we can care for and minister to people who have suffered traumatic experiences. Just last week, I spoke with a woman whose life has been littered with the unspeakable heartache of a stillborn baby, learning that her spouse had been repeatedly unfaithful with an extended family member, and now she's dealing with the recent news that a young adult child is pursuing a gender transition. So as you can imagine, the cascade of these nearly unbearable situations in her life have have found her feeling vulnerable and she's dealing with a lot of anger and depression that she didn't realize was connected to these traumatic events. And as she and I were talking, she said that one of the most helpful things for her over the past years has been a friend who has stuck by her and cared for her during the trauma that she's experienced. A friend who had no formal training or no real um, specific understanding of how to care for her. And I'm reminded of the annual conference that the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation did in 2019 about trauma. It was called Bearing the Unbearable. But why do most of us reserve our painful past or present for professional therapists? Why don't many people feel comfortable opening up to a trusted, wise friend or family member like the gal I was speaking to last week did? If you've visited here at Counseling Over Coffee much, you've heard me say that I believe in formal counseling. I've pursued counseling and I provide it to others. So I strongly believe there are times when reaching out to professionals for help is the wise and humble thing to do. And it can also sometimes be the loving thing to do with someone in our lives who is struggling to be able to encourage them to find a caring and Christian counselor to help them through this is, it's like I said, sometimes the most loving thing to do. But even those who receive formal counseling need and benefit from the care of a surrounding community. In fact, many counselors I've interacted with agree that one of the first things to consider when in a, in a care plan or what some counselors call a treatment plan for someone that they're caring for, counseling, is that the person become a part of an active caring community. Why? Because when the counseling relationship is over, the growth and the hope that that person has received is, in, is not going to be sustainable if they're not in a caring community. So what about those who either haven't received formal counseling for their traumatic experiences 
or have received professional help, but are still battling what I shared with you from Dr. Monica Kim last week, what she called the emotional aftershocks of trauma. The thing these folks, the folks in your life who have been traumatized by painful past experiences need most is a word we're all familiar with. And that's what I want to spend the rest of my time on today. And that word is safety. It makes sense that safety is of vital importance to a person who struggles with the aftershocks of trauma because they've, th- their experience made them feel very unsafe. I shared with you last week about a near abduction experience I had when I was seven. And the phrase I would use to frame that entire experience was that I felt very unsafe. My friend got into a car with a stranger who had threatened to hurt me if I told anyone. And that feeling of being unsafe is what characterizes trauma victims. Whether the unsafe feeling is emotional or physical or both. And the best way we can help build a community of hope for the traumatized is to make the people in our lives feel safe with us. And that safety is built in some of the most simple and common ways that we can easily overlook. Safe people invite unsafe people to share their trauma with us when we model the compassion, care, and gentleness of Christ to them. The hope and safety traumatized people need can only genuinely be found in Christ. And Dr. Ed Welch says this, safety is elusive for those who have had traumatic experiences. If there were times of safety in the past, they are quickly forgotten and the traumatic story dominates. We live before the God who acts against injustice comforts those who have been shattered and brings them close to himself. So how can we breathe this kind of safety and grace to the traumatized, even and especially when we don't yet know who in our lives has experienced trauma because the traumatized often live in silent suffering? Remember, This isn't a podcast for professionals who rather quickly know a person's traumatic path because that's what the person has come to us for. This podcast is for regular Christians who want to grow in demonstrating Christ incarnating care to others, including those who don't even yet know that their suffering and their trauma are connected. So what this means is this, and, and, I'll, and this is, I'm, I, I think in simple terms. And so simply put, we treat everyone in our lives the same because we just don't know who most needs things like 
a listening ear, a calm and reassuring response to something really hard that just happened in their lives. The ability to patiently listen and ask, tell me more questions, rather than trying to prematurely fix them with advice that worked for us at some point. And people often just need the willingness to open for us to open up areas of our lives that we realize are contributing to the fears or angry outbursts or panic attacks that may be stalking us. I continue to be amazed by the impact on people of one person opening up their painful and sometimes shameful experiences to a wise and caring person. And this happened recently at a church Benny and I visited to do a small group leaders conference. The, the conference was, I think, um, a Friday night and most of Saturday. And the last session of the conference was designed to be sort of a, a role play or a practice session. One example of many in how a small group could care and pray for someone who was hurting in real time. And after talking with Benny, we decided that I would open up the meeting asking for prayer for a situation with a family member I've been worried about. And I didn't go into any identifying details or inappropriate review of why I was worried about this person. But I was glad to open up because I was, I felt, and and I honestly still feel so desperate for God's intervention in this person's life that I hoped that I could get some help and care from the group. And what happened was really amazing. In just over 30 minutes of me generally sharing about the situation and why I was so anxious about this dear person in my life, I sh- and sharing this with a group of people, most of whom I'd only just met the day before, something really special happened. They asked compassionate questions that didn't make me feel like they were trying to just make me feel better or feel less anxious. They didn't immediately quote scripture to me. And as they listened, I began to cry. And before long, several in the group were also teary-eyed. I felt so safe that I opened up a little more than I expected and before long others began opening up about how they were being affected by my story. Now in this case it wasn't a story of trauma. It was a hard and sad but common story for a mother or a grandmother If I was a part of this church, though, there are people there that I could have safely shared trauma that I have experienced in the distant and recent past simply because of how they responded to something that I might call a lesser pain. Why? Because when I opened up about this, quote, lesser pain, they responded with curiosity and care and compassion. 
I didn't feel instructed or lectured. And what they did for me that day was just what I want to provide for others, a safe place to crack open a door that could lead to the door being opened a little wider and a little wider over time. What I experienced at that church with those small group leaders that day was an example of who Jesus was. Jesus was safe. He's still safe. He welcomed those who others rejected and judged to eat with him and to follow him. He scandalized himself by lingering in relationship with people whose past was filled with the trauma of betrayal, rape, prostitution, and murder. Sins done by them and against them. These were the people Jesus attracted and drew close to him, to himself. And he calls us to do the same. Sometimes when we hear about someone's story, we kind of freeze up and we don't know what to say. But we need to grow in resisting that temptation to put aside waves we've unknowingly been unsafe to the people in our lives with our judging or lecturing or pontificating. Yes, we do that. I've done that. And sometimes people need to be lovingly and firmly corrected when clear sin is involved in behaviors and attitudes. But the last thing a traumatized person needs to hear is what they did or didn't do or how they need to respond differently to their awful past. Creating a culture of safety among our friends, our family, our workplace, our churches can pave a beautiful path toward the traumatized feeling safe and welcomed to share their past with those who are willing to imitate Christ in our response to the shamed and broken. And this is a way that we can come alongside those who are receiving or who will receive professional help when it's needed. But that loving community, that safe community is a huge supplement and even necessity, necessity to traumatize people. So really, the question might be as simple as this. How do we want the people in our lives to handle our painful past? And then we can go and provide that for them. Mm -hmm.